In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't just bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. Now, you can listen to us live every Thursday, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it. You can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. We're all over the net on every major podcast platform. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now on to today's episode. You know, having honesty and integrity in the workplace is one of the most important qualities of great leadership in business. We all know that, but do we all know what that really means? Just like most things, we probably all have different understandings of what it means. Some may say it's not cheating. Some say it's telling the truth or doing the right thing just because doing the right thing is the right thing. Now, there may be different interpretations because honesty and integrity is a state of mind and it is not situational. If one compromises in small situations with little consequence, then it becomes very easy to compromise in larger ones and leadership trust can be compromised. But honesty in organizations is complicated. It draws from many dimensions and our guest in this episode has given us a lot of thought and is an expert in this area. Ron Carucci is a co-founder and managing partner at Navalent, working with CEOs and executives pursuing transformational change for their organizations, leaders, and industries. He has a 30-year track record helping some of the world's most influential executives tackle challenges of strategy, organizational management, and leadership. From startups to Fortune 100s, turnarounds to new markets and strategies and overhauling leadership and culture to redesigning for growth, he has worked in more than 25 countries in four continents. In addition to being a regular contributor to HBR and Forbes, he has been featured in Fortune, CEO Magazine, Business Insider, and many other media outlets. Now, he also is the author of a book, and his new book is To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. And this book is available on Amazon. So, Ron, thank, welcome to the show. Hey, Kimberly. How are you? Thanks for having me. Okay, great. So first, just what made you write this book? <clears throat> Well, I, 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 when I began the research, I didn't, I wasn't setting out to write a book. Um, we have, you know, 15 years of data we wanted to study with more than 3,200 leaders to see what what patterns we could have gleaned. We did a 10-year longitudinal study for our last book uh, on individual leadership, and we wanted to know what what were the systemic realities, what were the organizational in- instances um, that we could learn from. So we told we used a, a really sophisticated and really cool artificial intelligence tool, IBM Watson to analyze the data. And we said, let's see if the, 
if it's so intelligent, let's see if it can tell us what we should be asking it. Mm -hmm. And indeed, it came back with some really interesting drill sites around honesty and integrity. And so we dug further to find out just how predictive we could be about when people would um, make good choices, when they'd say the right thing, uh, act fairly toward others and serve a greater good, and when they would lie, cheat, and serve their own interests first. When we realized we could actually predict that, we thought this is compelling enough. Um, and some of the exemplars, uh, leaders that had such compelling stories, were so worthy of being told, uh, we decided we should do the book. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, uh, that's really interesting with all that data and all the research that it comes out around honesty. And and what, you know, if, if I were to ask you the definition of honesty and without going into the dimensions you talk about, wh- what do you, how do you define honesty? Well, it's no longer, I mean, you alluded to this in your introduction, it's no longer enough to say lying is not, honesty means not lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to look around very far in the world to see that we're in a trust recession that trustworthiness to earn the tr- and keep the trust of others takes way more work than it used to um, because people start distrusting. We have disinformation in the media. We have um, institutional failures of all kinds in education, government, nonprofits, and business. Um, people are, sketch- are, are understandably skeptical. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, the definition of honesty in this book is truth, justice, and purpose, meaning that to be labeled as honest and trustworthy today, you have to say the right thing, do the right thing, and say and do the right thing for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Truth, uh, truth, justice, and purpose. And honesty is kind of in the middle of that. And, and, and in your book, because I read the book, and listeners, it's a fantastic book to read. You, you talk about your brain on honesty. Okay, what do you mean by that? So it turns out the good news is that we, 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 um, we gathered a lot of neuroscience data to understand what, what are human beings' natural predispositions when it comes to honesty, fairness, purpose, meaning in life. Um, And the great news is that our brains actually come hardwired to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. We naturally thrive. uh, Our health improves. Our relationships improve when when we are both exhibiting and and receiving honesty. Um, Unfortunately, our brains, unlike our cell phones, don't come with a restore factory settings button. (laughs) So so that when we're subjected to dishonesty, when we're in environments where our our um, our our morals or our values feel compromised, our brains experience what we call moral injury. It's the same as a trauma response. It's like PTSD for your mm-hmm. soul. Um, and, and once that begins to happen, the line begins to move. Um, and as we all know, you know, we ha- there are slippery slopes that we begin to lines we never thought we'd move. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have slippery ascents. We don't come back up. And so unless you change the environment, you can move the line, but then, you're, then you, your brain, you, your, your ability to think clearly, your ability to be cogent, your ability to form great relationships and great attachment, your ability to feel positive and hopeful also declines as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, that's really interesting. So uh, what, I just kind of think of like some situations where where you know something's going on and, and it's not really honest, whether it's in a company or something, and you, you feel really uncomfortable about it. And that is that kind of our brain reacting to that kind of environment? Uh, it is. Um, I, we all know what we have funny gut. We all know when our, we have a, some sense that something's off kilter. Um, the question is, do we have the courage, do we have the wherewithal to raise the concern uh, in, a, in, a, in a productive way, not a, a harsh way, mm-hmm. um, or do we know when to remove ourselves from the situation if, in fact, it's not going to change? Most mm-hmm. of us you know, can be very seduced by the bystander effect, assuming that someone else will say something or do something, or assuming that it's a waste of time, nothing will change anyway, or we fear retribution. We fear that there could be some unwanted consequence for pointing out what we're seeing. But the reality is, if you're seeing it, so is, so is someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in your book, you you interviewed uh, um, many, many leaders in this book. And is there is there one interview that stands out to you um, that's really about kind of what we just said, this, this honesty situation before we get into the dimensions of it? Is there, you know, something that really impacted you, um, one leader's story? 
oh my gosh, they, uh, I, I, there's so many of them that were moving. We actually did a TV series. So if listen, your listeners want to go meet the, meet the heroes and see the stories behind the book, we have a TV series called Moments of Truth we produced with 15 episodes. And they can find that on Roku or they can find that on the website, tobehonest.net. And you can meet these amazing heroes uh, and, and their stories and hear their insights, and many of which are not in the book. Um, you know, the one I'd point to uh, is Hubert Jolie, the CEO, former CEO and the, the guy that turned around Best Buy. Um, the man just oozes integrity. You know, his presence is just one of goodness and thoughtfulness, and he defied all kinds of odds. You know, I mean, retail consumer electronics is a ruthless, you know, competitive business. And um, when he took over Best Buy, it was, you know, on the ropes, given the, the likes of retailers like Amazon. And he, can, he defied all kinds of conventional wisdom and how he chose to turn that around by instilling purpose and by unleashing emp- empowered employees and really caring about customers and being honest about the places where they were falling short and why they were falling short. His transparency, his openness, his convictions, um, he modeled them in ways that made lots of people want to follow him um, and take that organization from a, the brink of disaster to – you know, a thriving, well-performing organization, mm-hmm. and that or that organization actually, it is a it, um, it was a very very big turnaround, you know, and um, uh, and you know, and when you when you talk about when you talk about honesty, what what's your pulse on, you know, I would say just the the pulse on the market. I mean, you've talked to some incredible leaders um, that really show integrity and honesty. Um, but where are we today? I mean, in the world, do you think that, you know, most corporations do kind of follow truth, justice and purpose and and honesty, or do you think we're falling short in that area? Do you have any kind of pulse on that? Well, Kimberly, I don't think it's hard to look, look around very far to see that we're, we're, we can do much better. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think many, there's certainly the, the, the villains, right? Which is, this book is not about. I did not want to write any more stories about Theranos and Wells Fargo. <laughs> and we're tired of those stories. Mm-hmm. There were many more hero stories out there than I expected to find. That was really heartening. But I think the vast majority of organizations find themselves in a very dangerous middle ground called good intentions. I think many organizations are want to be purposeful and believe they're being honest. And many executives, no, no, I don't, I don't think there are many CEOs who show up to work every day thinking, well, how can I pull the wool over their eyes today? I, I think they believe because their intentions are good, that therefore those things manifest themselves in the organization's actions every day. But the truth is that's not that's not the case. You have to work a lot harder to close a say-do gap. And just because your intentions and even some of your words um, reflect a, a commitment to honesty, to truth, justice, and purpose. Um, it doesn't mean your organization's actions or your actions are following suit. It takes a much more ruthless diligence to make sure that the the choices, the actions, the things you say no to, the things you stand against, the things you stand up for, the hard trade-offs you make, the the the, the characteristics you role model are all aligned with the principles you say you believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and you're right. I think good intentions are out there a lot. And um, actually I think sometimes maybe they just don't know how to follow through on it. Um, I don't know what your observations are, but we're going to, we're going to take a short break, Ron. And when we come back, I want to, I want to talk to you about the dimensions of honesty because um, you talk a lot about that in your book. And for our listeners, we are talking with, Ron Carucci, and he is the co-founder and managing partner of Navalent, and he works with CEOs and executives on pursuing transformational change for their organizations and industries. He has a 30-year track record helping some of the world's most influential executives, tackling the challenges of strategy, organization, and leadership. And he has a book, and we're talking about the book today. And the book is To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose, and it's available on Amazon. Now, if you'd like to learn more about his company, you can go to www.navalit.com. And Ron himself is on LinkedIn under Ron Carucci. And the book has its own website, tobehonest.net. And 
you can also reach him under Ron Carucci on Twitter. Now, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So please go to www.cinda.org to learn more. They also have live conferences, and the next conference is in Mallorca, Spain, from the 16th to 18th of May. And they also have a fantastic e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups, product managers, and SMBs. And this e-learning helps companies succeed. So with that, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Ron Carucci, and he is the co-founder and managing partner of Navalent. And Navalent works with CEOs and executives pursuing transformational change for their organizations and industries. And he has a 30-year track record of helping some of the world's most influential executives tackle the challenges of strategy, organizational management, and leadership. And he is the author of the book, To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. And that's what we're talking about today. So, so Ron, um, before we kind of just talked about, before the break, we talked about honesty in general. And, and um, you know, I asked you for your pulse on th- what's things going on. And before I go on to the next question, I have one more question about kind of the pulse of what's going in the world. Do you see any differences in culturally, you know, between the what's going on with honesty within the United States or within Europe. I mean, obviously, you know what's going on within Russia right now, okay? But do you see differences in how people approach, how different cultures approach this? You know, I think I think every culture has nuances. Even across the, the U.S., you have subcultures <laughs> that, right, you have political subcultures, you have geographic subcultures, you have age subcultures. Certainly, I think the same is true in Europe, where you have different nationalities combined as well. Certainly Asia, um, with cultures of, of, of hierarchy and caste systems, where deference is really important, where speaking the truth you know, can take on different meanings. So for sure, I do think that the manifestations of this can, can, can somewhat morph, depending on where you are. Um, but uh, overall, what I think is that as human beings, we are naturally hardwired to want and care for truth uh, for people mm-hmm. to saying the right thing, doing the right thing and saying and doing the right things for the right reason. And we all have a sense for when that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was kind of what I was thinking, but um, I just wanted to get your perspective on that. And so now we're going to, we're going to move on a little bit because when you, in your book, you talk about there's four dimensions around honesty. Okay. And can you just um, tell us what those four dimensions are? Yep. So there was honesty and identity being who you say you are, you know, making sure your actions and words match. 
There's honesty and accountability, meaning that the, wor the work and contributions that you talk to others about are treated with dignity and fairness. There's mm -hmm. honesty in um, uh, decision-making and, and the choices we make. How transparent are we in how we can include others, um, invite spirited voices, invite dissent, and, and um, present balanced points of view. And there's honesty uh, in our relationships, honesty um, across groups. When we work with others across borders, whether those are organizational borders or national borders, how do we treat them? Are we comfortable sort of blending seams in a way that blends our capabilities or do we have rivals? Do we mm -hmm. treat others as we versus they? Okay, so I, I'd like to dig into those a little bit further, Ron. So let, let's start with the identity, okay? Um, when I think when I think of identity, I think somebody has to drive that, okay? And I think about boards. So how much role does does a board play in driving the identity? You know, I think I mean, um, I think that that's so dependent on um, the you know what 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 sector you're in what industry you're in many boards have have a fiduciary responsibility uh to to shareholders many boards are now taking on a much more stake multi-stakeholder centered view of the world where they're wanting to shepherd more than just shareholders but customers employees suppliers communities and i think those boards are certainly shaping a much tighter connection between who we say we are and what we actually do um, you know, the best boards are the ones that really believe that their job is to help steward the mission or the purpose of the organization. And the boards that see that as their role are much more likely to be activist in the role they play in making sure that there's no say-do gaps in the organization's behavior. Um, or they, they simply don't wait till there's a scandal before they step in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I think about that though, and we're talking about honesty and, um, I think about missions and purpose and values, and I see many companies that, and I'm going to use the the example of diversity, okay, um, that have diversity initiatives to say that's more purpose and value. It's in our mission statement, but they're actually only doing it because NASDAQ says you have to do it, and the EU says legislation has to says you have to do it, or companies will get fined. I mean, to me, that's is that kind of bordering on not being honest, okay, or uh, it, it bothers me uh, uh, when I see a company, you know, putting together a purpose or a value, but for the wrong reasons. We, we are certainly seeing a fair degree of purpose washing these days mm -hmm. um, because it seems to be a bandwagon fad that people want to jump on. The, uh, the unfortunate news for those companies is that consumers see right through it. Mm -hmm. We have all the data we need that tells us that consumers passionately care about purpose-driven companies. They will switch loyalty quickly. They will pay higher prices for a company that actually stands and serves something greater than its own well-being. When they believe a company is not doing that, or worse, when a company says it's doing that but belies it, the market will punish you, and it will punish you pretty harshly. Um, co consumers have no tolerance today for being um, rused by the brands or the services they consume. So companies would, would, and we have all the research to prove this in the book, you'd be better off not declaring a purpose at all than declaring one you don't live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And when, and you know, let's say the companies that do have good purpose and values, okay. Um, how, how do they cascade that down? I mean, I, I've been in uh, companies that works with companies that, you know, you ask employees and many of them really don't know what the purpose or values are. Or is, is that what you're seeing in your statistics? And, and how can companies better communicate that? Well, I, I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's more than a communications problem. It really is a, an embedding problem, right? When you declare a, a certain set of words uh, as being who you intend to be, and for some companies it's a vision, it's a mission, it's values. I mean, there's a lot of overlap and it's a purpose. Um, those have to be – many organizations treat the codification of those behaviors as the end. As the end. Really, that's the beginning. Those, now you've created a diagnostic lens through which you now have to look at your HR processes, your finance processes, your uh, operational processes, your governance, to make sure that the behaviors you have said you value, 
the value the, the the principles you say make employees successful are actually being encouraged and supported by the organization and their corollaries are being discouraged. Um, one of the very simple things I have leaders do to test for that is take the mission statement or the, or the purpose statement or p- pick whichever promise your organization has made off the wall uh, and put it on the table in the middle of your team meeting and ask your team, how well are we doing modeling these? When you look at me, do you see me as an example of these? If somebody followed us around with a video camera all day long and captured our team, a day in the life of our team, could that video be used as a training program to train people on these values? You have to ask the hard questions about your own personal participation in those promises um, and get and get past the notion of, well, I intend to display these behaviors and, and, and find out whether or not others are actually experiencing you that way or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because also behaviors mirror each other. And if if a leader is you know living the purpose and value, then the employees are more likely to do the same things. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it, it, Ron, this is just really interesting stuff. And I'd like to move on to your second dimension when you talk about accountability, um, dignity, and fairness. And that brings me to thinking about performance systems, okay? And um, we we grow up with performance systems. We start from kindergarten with performance systems, okay? And um, it doesn't matter if we're here in, in Prague or Germany or in the U.S. They're all pretty much these number systems. And um, sometimes that doesn't feel too good. So you talk about that in your book. Yeah, most of us hate being categorized. I think um, I think most most social psychologists and most research would say that today's performance systems are highly ineffective at motivating better performance and helping people, you know, embrace the shortfalls that they have and wanting to improve. Um, and you don't have to look any further than than the role of performance systems in organizations to see how poor they really are. I had one client. Uh, that I'd worked with for quite a bit of time, a very high-performing leader who was being prepared to to be to ascend a much bigger role. And we had a, intentionally scheduled one of our coaching sessions to follow his performance review. And he, he we, it was virtual. He showed up on camera, and I could see the red veins in his neck. Mm. And he opened up in a tirade. She gave me a three. I'm always a four. You know, but now HR says there's a quota. So who who got the fours? I why did I get the three? You know, in, in other companies that was a five. I mean, like Kimberly, he was irrationally irate, and I asked him to forward me the document. I wanted to read. I was expecting to see all these harsh, unfair criticisms in the document. But as I read it, it was quite glowing and quite affirming, uh, and in fact, and very fair about areas he still needed to work on. He was still the top contender for the big job that he was being prepared for. He was still on track to get that within the following year. But the number um, set him off. And it turns out, you know, we did, we dug into the neuroscience to find out why. It turns out our brains are hardwired that when we react, when we've been categorized, categorical thinking, our, our amygdala see, sees it as a threat. We feel invisible, we feel unseen, we feel misunderstood, and we react in a threatened way, even if the rating is positive, right? We've now been um, defined by something much smaller than we really are. So Mm -hmm. the systems today, I mean, you never see somebody walk into work saying, oh, I'm so excited, today's my performance review. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And and what's so sad about that is that the systems that should be the most dignifying, the most honoring, the most affirming of who we are and who we're yet to be in, in our shortfalls, have become the most demeaning, demoralizing, terrifying systems mm. in our organizations. It's it's insane. Um, some of that has to do with the origins, right? So these systems grew up in environments where repetitive work, you know, how many claims did you close? How many T-shirts did you print? How many files did you review? But today, uh, our remit is personal. Today, most workers in a knowledge economy are expected to offer an insight, an idea, uh, a radical suggestion, um, an analysis, uh, a a creative um, option, a solution. Those contributions are a very personal reflection of their contributor. 
In the world of repetitive work, you can say, it's not personal, it's just business. I'm evaluating your work, not you. But today, when a manager evaluates somebody's work, they are in fact evaluating the person. It is personal. And that fusion between contributor and contribution has got to be taken into account when a leader talks about that contribution. And it's not that you have to be soft on, on performance shortfalls. You should hold them to a very high bar. High standards are still important. Um, it's important that you don't weaponize those high standards. And it's important that you don't ignore the fact that the person you're talking about is sitting right in front of you and the contribution is, is seen as part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And that addition of dignity and fairness. The other, other question you have to then ask yourself is, is the playing field level? Can everybody in my organization find the same level of success as anybody else, no matter what role they're in or no matter what they look like or who they are? Because once you unlevel the playing field and see things as unfair, you now institutionalize entitlement. You now think people feel wronged, so they feel entitled to take. So leveling the playing field with fairness and 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 wrapping the conversations in dignity become the two most foundational parts of accountability today. Um, and we fall really far short of those standards. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're just, we're so ingrained in this, Ron. So, I mean, it's in every organization I've seen. I mean, uh, how, how, how are we going to get us out of this nutshell? Okay. I mean, maybe baby step by baby step by, by teaching people that, you know, it is about contribution today. It is not about just, you know, um, how many how many nuts and bolts do you put together? You know, I mean, how can we move that direction? Well, the good news is, Kimberly, we, we made progress. Many organizations in the last 10 years abandoned performance reviews altogether, okay. which, of course, somewhat backfired because they didn't have a replacement. They've gone to more quarterly conversations or more monthly conversations. But the problem is those conversations in quality haven't yet changed. Leaders have not yet discovered their role as a coach. They've not yet discovered their role as mentor or as a thought partner. Um, and so I think we're moving in the right direction for sure as people begin to recognize, you know, listen, 69 million people in the United States quit their jobs in the last eight months. Yeah. Um, a, a very loud message was sent to corporate America about mm-hmm. what people will and won't tolerate anymore. And so mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that improvement accelerate because mm-hmm. now the war for talent, which we've been talking about for 20 years, um, is now really a war. Yeah. Uh, it's now really a fight for retention. Um, what's happening is your best talent is quitting and leaving and your mediocre talent is quitting and staying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that it is making progress because, I mean, it is a difficult uh, nut to crack here. Um, we're going to take, Ron, we're going to take another break. And for our listeners, we're talking with Ron Carucci, and he's the founder and managing partner of Navalent, and he works with CEOs and executives pursuing transformational change for their organizations. And he is the author of the book, To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose, and it's available on Amazon, a great read for leaders out there. Um, some great stories in it and some very super insights. Now you can, the book has a website to be honest.net and you can learn about Navalent on www.navalent.com. And Ron is on LinkedIn under Ron Carucci and on Twitter under at Ron Carucci. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's largest, fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold conferences every Thursday evening at 1700. They also have a Thought Leadership Thursday, and they will have their next live conference in Mallorca, Spain, May 16th to 18th. So go to www.cinda.org for more information. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. 
How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis. And today we are talking with the author of To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. And his name is Ron Carucci. And he is also the founder and managing partner at Navalent. He works with CEOs, executives, pursuing transformational change for their organizations and industries. And Ron, we're talking about the four dimensions that you talk around honesty, which is kind of core in your book. And um, I'm going to move on now from uh, accountability because uh, the the uh, conversation around performance systems just gets me very excited. So <laughs> I want to move on to the next dimension. Um, and the third dimension you talk about is is you know decision making, governances, okay, and transparency. And I mean, governances are kind of the DNA of the company. So you know. Why is it so important to be really transparent there? Well, um, part of the challenge is, um, you know, m- most work today in organizations takes place at inter- at seams, right? It takes place across borders. People have to assemble together, solve a problem, execute a project. It's Most work doesn't take place within a silo anymore. What that means is that there's a lot more people gathering and convening in these strange things called meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, which most people love to complain about for good reason. They, they feel like exhaustive wastes of time and um, nothing but orchestrated theater. Um, the turns out, though, at those intersections where resources are allocated, priorities are set, trade-offs are made, and important decisions are executed, those gatherings become critical symbols of how truthful the organization is. We've all walked into meetings and and recognize the difference very quickly between a meeting where the data being presented is reliable, uh, there's a balanced perspective on it, there's an open and healthy debate about what it actually means. If I feel like I wanna offer a, a contradictory point of view, I feel welcome to do that without any hesitation. And when we walk out of that room, we understand and are aligned on what it is we've agreed to do. And walking into a room where it's, it's performative, the person in front of the room is is doing a dance, um, mm-hmm. is presenting is presenting only one point of view to shape the rooms. Um, the decision that we're there to make was probably made yesterday, and this is to make it look like we're all being involved. And the last thing I think you want to hear is a point of view from me that differs from the prevailing one in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now what I know is the only place to actually get the truth is underground. So those are, turns out those are not just organizational nuisances. Uh, where we, I go to meetings that feel like I'm wasting my time. They're integrity drainers. Mm-hmm. Because what you are telling the organization in every one of those experiences is your voice is not welcome. Um, it is not safe for you to use it in a way that differs from how everybody else is using theirs. Um, and I am not a welcoming mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the very simple litmus test leaders should be asking themselves. If you don't have somebody coming into your office a couple of times a week, telling you something that makes you feel uncomfortable, you can be very confident your leadership sucks. Yeah. Interesting test. That's and 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 when you think about it, very true, very true. And and Ron, I have a question on this because when when on what you're talking about now, um on meetings and and yeah, I'd say engagement of people and uh, inviting engagement. Um you know, for for two years we're in a virtual environment and now we're getting into a hybrid environment okay um 
What kind of impact had, did this have any impact on um, this, these governances and, and the engagement of people? Absolutely. Um, we're seeing, you know, the fabric of the organization, the coherence of the organization be tested. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the pandemic or the, the shift to hybrid work caused that fracturing, Kimberly. I think the, I think the pandemic revealed it. I think it was always there. Um, and we had lots of other, like, meetings. We had things to hide behind. So now you actually have to create real coherence. You have to create real cohesion. You have to create real interconnectivity. Um, I don't think intimacy and honesty and transparency among people is a function of being physically present. People can create those kinds of bonds across technologies just fine if you if you set your mind to doing it. And yes, in a hybrid world, that's a little bit more challenging, but not impossible. But you have to decide that that level of coherence and transparency and interconnectivity uh, is important. Um, and I think the absence of it and the, and the sense of isolation that people feel is showing us that people want it bad enough that they'll quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it can be done. And I think some companies are doing it quite well. And uh, others are probably still struggling with this new model. And Ron, one other question on staying on the subject um, of governances and transparency. How how important is the clarity of roles when we talk about transparency in organization and also in governances? Well, it's a, it's a really spot on question, Kimberly. It's critical. Right. There's nothing worse than me wondering where the boundaries of my work begin and end. If you have not distributed decision rights uh, to the right teams or the right individuals for who gets to decide what with what resources and what authority, then when you bring people together, you've just now amassed a bunch of confusion. So if you if you have not bounded the roles, it doesn't mean that they're hardwired because there's always going to be exceptions. There'll always be blurry lines because of collaborative work. But certainly if I don't begin with some sense of um, clarity around where the boundaries of my work start and stop and where the boundaries of your start and stop, when we go to collaborate, we're going to have lots of unresolved conflict. Um, even if those decision rights are shared, um, we at least have to understand what value we respectively bring to that decision. Um, and so many organizations do not take the time to design their organizations with that level of clarity. Uh, at, the, at, the, at the enterprise level, the division level, the team level, or the individual level. So what you have are multiple versions of cascading confusion. Mm-hmm. And and that brings us right to, the, this clarity brings us right to the last dimension that you talk about is unity of groups, okay? Um, kind of what I would think of when, you know, silos, okay? Or, um, I mean, I t- I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of words to it and then bringing those groups to working together. So could you talk about that a little bit? Well, so, I mean, we all know what it's like to have cross-border rivalries with between <laughs> marketing and sales, between operations and supply chain, between, you know, R&D and logistics, between HR and everybody. Um, but the reality is those border wars are costly because, again, most of the work our enterprises produce, most of the value created is at those intersections. It's not within the silos. So if we can't leverage the value at the intersection, if we can't make one and one equal three, um, and we have piles of unresolved conflict, you now have rivalries that are consuming the capacity of the organization to do anything else. So we've got to stitch the seams of the, of the organization for that greater level of coherence. And that takes a lot of work. Um, clarity of functions is one thing. Clarity of cross functions is far more important in today's work environment. Mm-hmm. And m- most organizations allow those rivalries to fester um, and often lead to some significant, often unethical and misconduct breaches because when I ha- when I when when you've made somebody a they um, and you see them in the caller ID and it's like, oh, what do they want? Or here they come, or now they're going to ask for something. Once you've decided that uh, their arrival, they're not to be trusted, you've now fragmented the organization. And when you fragment the organization, you fragment the truth. And now we have dueling truths. So my goal is no longer to find the single source of truth. My goal is to make sure you understand that I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we now change the conversation. We're no longer creating, co-creating value together. Now we're competing for a winner and a loser. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, when we're doing that, I mean, we're in a world economy now, okay? And, I mean, there are so many companies that, that um, have, you know, satellite offices uh, here in Europe, maybe on the west coast of the U.S., maybe in India. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of clarity of cross-function, okay? Um, do you think this complicates everything because you're adding cultural differences, you're adding time differences in? Um, have we complicated ourselves in our structure? Um, and is it more difficult to reach this unity today? Well, it is more difficult. You're absolutely right, Kimberly, in a global economy where you have – not just cross-divisional collaborations, but you have cross-time zone, cross-cultural, cross-continental uh, collaborations where people, it's a 24-7 cycle, right? Um, that, just, that, com- that, that complexity just makes the bar much higher, but it's not undoable. There are, the pandemic showed us we can have global collaboration on teams around the world. You know, Sure, sometimes it's six in the morning for somebody and, and 10 at night for somebody else on the team, but it can be done. Um, mm-hmm. It does require more intentional leadership, a great deal uh, degree more empowerment and trust, um, and, and a, a lot of intentionality around what you're gathering people to work on. Mm-hmm. But it can be done. I, I, what I think is that leaders are not, and organizations are not making the effort commensurate with the challenge. Yeah. Um, they're trying, but but to your point, it's a much higher bar to create global coherence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it requires far greater creativity and effort. But I think I think also I think for the creativity and effort is worth it because when you have really diverse teams and they're working on cross functions and a common goal, then the outcomes are usually much better. Um, at least what I've seen. So, Ron, we're coming to the end of the show, and um, I just I want to. You know, your last words to leaders out there, you know, um, we got a lot of leaders, you know, how, how do they move their organizations in this direction? What's your recommendation to them? Well, start somewhere. I mean, the, the good, you know, the, the great news is, well, the scary news is each of those four dimensions we discussed, Kimberly, has a, a multiplicative uh, predictor, right? So if um, you are good at clarity and identity, you're three times more likely to have people be honest. If you're strong in accountability, systems being just and fair and dignifying, you're four times more likely to have people be honest. If your governance structures are are transparent, you're um, three and a half times more likely to have people be honest. And if your seams are stitched, if you have cross-functional uh, coherence, you're six times more likely to have people be honest. You know, that's a factor of 16. So you can improve performance by 16 times by simply focusing on those four areas. But the opposite is the, the, the statistical models work both ways. So if you suck at all four of those things, you are 16 times more likely to have people uh, put you into a headline story you never wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So the great news is that it's not all or nothing. So, you know, if you, for in fact, in fact, for example, improve your honesty and identity by 40%, you get a 20% improvement in honesty. So pick some place and start. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all challenges that are hiding in plain sight. Pick some place and dig in and make, mo- even if it's only within your own team, you can make incremental improvements that over time will compound themselves. Um, and begin with yourself, right? A- Start with looking in the mirror and asking yourself, in the last, University of Massachusetts research is one of many studies that suggests we all lie on average two times a day. So look over the last 10 days of your life and ask yourself, look at the pattern of moments where you weren't at your best, where you embellished data to your boss, where you withheld some bad news from a peer, where you were short with someone that reports to you, or you were curt with a barista, or you weren't kind to your spouse when you came home from work. Pick eight or 10 moments where you were less than who you want to be. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if you ex- examine those moments, you will find a pattern mm-hmm. because our, our dishonest moments are not random. Mm-hmm. They're all choices to self-protect. They're all choices we believe make us look a certain way or feel a certain way or engineer, engineer a response from other people. Mm-hmm. If you want to raise your own personal bar on honesty, you have to begin with the places that bring you to your dishonesty. 
mm-hmm. and just make you you can't change the narrative on who you want to be till you look squarely in the mirror at what the moments are that bring you to your worst and find out what what is it you believe is happening in those moments why are you making those choices and be honest about that so that you can actually make different choices wow great great final last words ron um, amazing book. We've been talking to Ron Carucci, and he's the author of To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. It's available on Amazon. And if you'd like to go to the book's website, it's tobehonest.net. And Ron is also the managing partner of Navalent, working with CEOs and executives and performing transformational change for their organizations and industries. And you can reach out to Ron on LinkedIn under Ron Carucci. And he is also under Twitter at Ron Carucci. And this broadcast has been also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, legislative white papers, focus on digital. And they also have a live conference coming up in May in Mallorca, Spain, May 16th to 18th. And they also have a fantastic e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups, product managers, and SMBs. So go to www.cinda.org for more information. And Ron, once again, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Kimberly, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And listeners, thank you for listening today. And please don't forget, tune in next week at 3 p.m. Pacific. And if you miss us, we're on every major podcast platform so you can find us by putting leadership beyond borders into the search engine and you will find us all over the web and thank you until next week thank you for joining us on leadership beyond borders please tune in again next tuesday at 3 p.m u.s pacific time for another edition featuring your host kimberly j lewis on the voice america business channel have a great week